Welcome to the Crying in My Cheesecake podcast. I am Danielle, your host, and I'm doing something different. This is episode four of that something different, and I'm sharing some very vulnerable words and thoughts of my innermost being dealing with my miscarriage, miscarriages. Um, I'm going in deep with these and probably the most vulnerable I've ever been on social media and on my podcast. So sit tight, grab your warm drink and listen in. Living out what I say I believe. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands. Psalm 63, 3 through 4. My hands shook while applying my makeup. As I flattened my hair that morning, I singed the skin of my fingertips multiple times. It was a Thursday. I still had no signs of a miscarriage. As I prayed in the kitchen, holding my cup of coffee, I asked God to please show up. In that prayer, I told him I trust him. He taught me that. I I told him I know just how big he is, and I remember he has shown up for me before. It's not just that he's shown up for the Israelites or those in the Bible. I don't only remember how he showed up for the people in my life. No, I remember how he has showed up in big ways in my own life. I told him I didn't forget, but if I don't get the answers or results I wanted today, I finally verbalized to him, it's okay. Because you are who you say you are. You never change and your promises are true. I had a dear friend come by this day to watch the children and usually the the kids go with us wherever we go, but today I knew... They just shouldn't be there. My husband and I walked out the front door and I drove to the doctor's office and waited. My ultrasound technician, who I've grown to know pretty well and we're actually like pretty, like we're good friends, but I got to know her, you know, at the time over the last four or five years while I was pregnant and so forth at that time. And she greeted us with a warm smile. I'm still not sure to this day if she knew what had happened last week, but I told her anyway. She was very sensitive to our needs. And she talked, and then things got quiet. I saw, but awaited the inevitable. I'm so sorry. I don't see a heartbeat. She left the room so I could get dressed, and I looked at my husband. He asked how he was, and I said, I'm not shocked. I was prepared for this the best way possible. Sarah was the most precious thing. I don't even know if she's listening or will listen to this, but she took us straight to a room so we didn't have to go into the waiting room with all those expecting women. We waited for a few moments for my doctor. Um, Normally, uh, my doctor is a very cheery man and excited to see his patients, and we usually have a pretty good connection and lots of talk of things, and the look on his face was of genuine sadness. Sad for our loss. In that conversation, he discussed the options available, gave the positives and negatives. He talked about the grief. He made sure my husband was okay. After hearing the options and having done research at home prior to this visit, we chose the DNC, which is dilation and curatage. I don't know. DNC. He asked when we would like to have this done, and my response was immediately. He said, okay, I'll see what the schedule looks like for tomorrow. And he gave me a big hug and shook my husband's hand. My husband and I walked out of the office with a surgery packet in hand and decisions to make immediately. 
Soon after leaving the parking garage, my husband choked up. He let the tears fall. In that moment, I praised God aloud in front of his emotional display. I told my husband that what I knew to be true, that my God is bigger than this. My God promises at my God's promises are true no matter my circumstances. It doesn't take away the pain and it doesn't mean I will have a baby to hold in my arms, but it does mean that God is doing something even bigger than we ever imagined with us. And boy, was he. Oh, guys, hold on with me, okay? I forgot about this part of the story. Later that night, we came across something that as a couple has plagued us for years. It was a disappointing and loss of trust moment between my husband and I. At the time of discovery, it appeared to be the worst time to add on to an already delicate situation between my husband and I. God has called me to a higher purpose. I could not allow this to swallow me, but I also couldn't allow this discovery to be hidden. That evening, the Holy Spirit completely went ahead of me because I didn't have the energy to muster the words, let alone flesh through my husband's struggle of lying by omission or hiding things from me. That night, I laid it all out there. He needed to start taking his relationship with Jesus seriously, let, let alone me. My husband said some very painful things to me, not degrading or putting me down. The painful things he spoke were further realization just how far from Jesus he was. It hurt me to hear out of his mouth the words of a lost soul. It wasn't about the hiding at that moment. The pain was hearing the lost soul that belonged to my husband. You see, what happened was that night I was getting my keys and everything around and I couldn't find my keys anywhere. My car keys, they were just gone. I used to keep them on the back of the couch, which was by the front door. And they weren't there. I thought they had dropped into my husband's bag, his bag that he carried to work back and forth. And inside that bag, I thought I would just take a look to see if they had fallen inside of his bag because the zipper was open. My husband was hiding a bottle of brandy. And it wasn't a small one. I had to deal with lying and deceit I had to deal with another time in my face that my husband wasn't who he said he was wasn't doing what he said he was doing on top of knowing I was going to have that baby removed from my body back to the conversation my, the Holy Spirit emblazoned Something happened because my husband just two nights later brought it up again. And as he was seeking mentor that he was seeking mentorship, he brought it up later that he was going to church with the kids and me. You see, if I hadn't allowed God to take over for me, if I hadn't been taught just the full week prior that this whole miscarriage situation, that this life is not about me, the situation could have been much worse. A spiritual battle battle would have been lost. A husband and a father lost even longer on his journey to Jesus. This is why Psalm 63, 3 and 4 applies perfectly to the situation. His love is better than life, better than the life that was in my womb. I will praise him and my lips will glorify him. The heat was turned up on everything, 
on that evening prior to my baby being surgically removed from my womb. Darkness could have won. But because I chose to remember, being constant communication and sensitive to God, he won. Jesus will always win when we allow him. So how do we get here? How, how do we get to this place where we allow Jesus to win, where we don't step in and we just let him win? Where does the Bible show us how we are to live the life we say we believe? I say we look at the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, 1 through 6. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. In all. We are to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. You may say, yeah, I don't understand that, but... What, what, what's my calling? Your calling is to be Christ-like. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in life. Also, you should be unified with the Spirit. I want you to take heed of this. You were called. God has called you specifically to do life in communion with Him. In the above situation, I described what happened that night of discovery of that brandy bottle in his bag. If I hadn't been in communion with God, then the whole night could have plummeted just what the enemy wants. When we're in communion with God, we have a relationship with him in which we see him working in us. We are in a place where we can reach out for his strength, his wisdom. We find a place of peace and rest. The deeper relationship we have with God, the more we will trust him through the difficult circumstances like miscarriage that arise. Eventually our lives begin to look different because we are different. And if we go a little further in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 26, we read, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge every kind of impurity that they are that and they are full of greed that however is not the only way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is Jesus you were taught with regard to your formal former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. We're given a handbook on how to do life, on how to live the life we say we believe. We are set apart because we are told to not live like the rest of the world. The rest of the world is not able to grasp the relevance of God. They have come to a point where their hearts are hardened. I tell you that it is easy to harden your hearts during miscarriage. It is so hard to not give in to anger and just lash out. It is so hard. You may be tempted to run to sensuality and indulgence of every kind of impurity, which is really greedy. When we are greedy, we are selfish and have an intense desire for something. But this isn't what we've learned through Christ's teachings. 
we've learned that we must release our old selves, put the old selfish desires aside or the new selfish desires for that matter. Selfish desires right now may look like it's not fair. Why does that teenager get to have a healthy, successful pregnancy? Look at that drug addicted pregnant woman. See a trend? Selfish desires tend to take the form of judgment, a place that is not our business. So while it may be hard to pass judgment, and while it may be painful to see circumstances differently, you need to remember that God stinking loves you. He's called you to live differently than those around us. We are not to be ignorant as to why things happen to us because ignorance hardens the heart. When our hearts become hard, they lose all sensitivity. Miscarriage is a circumstance where the devil can devour us. He sure wreaked havoc on my life during my first miscarriage. But we are explicitly warned. In our anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not let the, give the devil a foothold. It's not that we're not allowed to be angry because we are. But like, but like Lisa Turkhurst says, emotions are indicators, not dictators. Meaning our emotions can end to indicate that we are upset or angry, but they shall not dictate how we behave or respond. Instead, let's be imitators of God. We were set apart and can offer our lives as a, as a sacrifice. The life that we thought we wanted for ourselves, sacrifice it for what God wants for us. This specific pain from miscarriage, sacrifice it to God, to God's will because it's not our will. The specific pain from miscarriage, sacrifice it for God's will, not our will. He wants only what is best for us. Let's change perspective and realize that miscarriage is not about us. It's about God and what he is doing in and through you during this difficult circumstance. If you enjoy this episode, you can support this show by going to buymeacoffee.com slash CIMC.